funding for NJ Spotlight News provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child, and RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, historic hate crimes, the Israel-Hamas war sparking fears here in the Garden State as incidents against Jewish and Muslim communities surge across the U.S. And since October 7th, uh, we've seen a tremendous spike in biased incidents and hate incidents right here in New Jersey. Not just anti-Semitic, but also anti-Muslim and Arab as well. Also, violence in the West Bank. Every day is a fresh new hell. The war is spilling into other Palestinian communities and impacting their families here in New Jersey. Plus, New Jersey facing yet another teacher shortage. Local districts are rolling out new initiatives to recruit and retain educators. The advantage is that they already understand what teaching is about. They're working in the program, they see it, they have a love of working with children. This is a natural next step. And climate warning. A dire new environmental report warns of the costly impacts of climate change in the U.S. as temperatures and sea levels continue to rise. And we've got to keep an eye on things because if we're not careful, the decisions we make right now could let things really run amok in the future. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. From NJPBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Tuesday night. I'm Brianna Venozzi. Tens of thousands of people, including from New Jersey, today descended on the nation's capital, marching through Washington, D.C. in one of the strongest displays of solidarity with Israel's war against Hamas, now entering its sixth week. Demonstrators are also calling for the release of 240 hostages captured by the militant group during the surprise October 7th attack. President Biden today quickly addressed reports that Hamas may release up to 70 women and children being held hostage in Gaza in exchange for a five-day truce with Israel. The president saying he's been, quote, talking with the people involved every single day and believes a hostage exchange will happen but wouldn't provide details. Today's rally comes after large protests both here in New Jersey and nationwide condemning the Israeli military for creating a humanitarian crisis in Gaza as the Palestinian death toll climbs beyond 11,000 people with hospitals crumbling and little to no food or fuel left. Demonstrators on the National Mall today said they're underscoring the right for Jewish communities around the world to remain free from hate and violence. Local and federal agencies in New Jersey have been reporting a significant spike in anti-Semitic and Islamophobic incidents since the war began. For the latest on that, I'm joined by James Dennehy, FBI Newark Special Agent in Charge. Special Agent Dennehy, thank you so much for joining me. Um, obviously, we heard the FBI director come out and say that uh, anti-Semitic incidents in particular have reached historic levels. Why exactly is that? I think what's happening in Israel and Gaza right now is bringing everyone's emotions uh, to the edge, if you will. There's war in the Middle East, um, and that just brings everyone to a certain level of hate. 
and the FBI tracks that. Uh, we track it through local, state, federal reporting. And since October 7th, uh, we've seen a tremendous spike in biased incidents and hate incidents right here in New Jersey. Not just anti-Semitic, but also anti-Muslim and Arab as well. Um, probably about a 75 to 25 split between those that are anti-Semitic and those that are anti-Muslim. So if we were looking at that data, would it uh, jive with what we saw the Anti-Defamation League put out? They said something like a 400% increase since the uh, war broke out October 7th. Uh, CARE, who represents uh, Muslim Americans, said somewhere around the 200% spike. I mean, these are really big numbers. Does that seem to be in sync with the data that the FBI is collecting? It is. So we're seeing since October 7th a few hundred percentage points wow. increase in those incidents. And are these incidents from, let's say, homegrown extremists? Are these incidents that are spurred by foreign groups? I mean, what do they look like? So when the war first happened, when October 7th first happened, our number one concern in the FBI was foreign terrorist organizations using that as a way of inspiring those extremists and radical, radicalizing those individuals in order to now commit acts of violence, whether it's against U.S. interests abroad or here in the United States. So that's, of course, a concern. That then leads to a larger concern of the lone wolf actor. That's very difficult for us to identify, to investigate, and to disrupt, because that individual might look to attack soft, familiar targets, might have access to weapons, and most importantly, may not discuss that plan with anybody or be in communication with anybody else or kind of um, highlight what he or she's planning on doing before it happens. So we have concerns in that regard. So what is the FBI doing then to tackle this? In New Jersey, there was just another incident reported where a synagogue had uh, anti-Semitic graffiti um, painted on there just in recent days. How does the FBI tackle these uh, hate crimes when they arise? Well, hate crimes is just that, and it's a federal violation that only the FBI looks into. It has a maximum uh, potential sentencing guidelines of 10 years in prison. And we look at and we track those incidents which might then be considered hate crimes, which is exactly that hate and the addition of a crime. Yeah, I mean, can you share some examples of what we've seen? And I've heard from folks anecdotally who are feeling nervous about going to their places of worship, whether they be uh, Jewish or Muslim, feeling like they may be targets. What can you tell us to that end? So I would say you still have to live your life. Um, we're not at the point where people should be um, building bunkers in their own yard in order to um, become shut-ins. You still have to go to religious services and beyond, but just keep in mind that there is a spike in those types of bias incidents. You have to be uh, a little bit more uh, vigilant when it comes to those things based on what's going on in the world today. So see something, say something, as we um, have come to know. Special Agent James Dennehy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. The conflict in the Middle East isn't isolated to Gaza. Violence has been escalating against Palestinians in the West Bank. New Jerseyans with family there say their loved ones have been facing increasingly deadly situations, including the cousin of Jersey City Councilman Youssef Saleh, who was recently killed by an Israeli settler just outside his village. Human rights groups say his death represents the many layers of this war. Senior correspondent Joanna Gagas reports. 
every day is a fresh new hell. Since the start of the war between Israel and Hamas, stories of violence against Palestinians living in the Israeli-occupied region in the West Bank have increased dramatically. And recently, those stories have hit home. Jersey City Councilman Youssef Saleh's 40-year-old cousin Bilal Saleh, who was a father of four, was shot and killed in his own olive grove. He was out with his family. He was harvesting olives. This is the olive harvest season for Palestinians. And essentially he was accosted by several settlers. And one of the settlers shot him in the chest and killed him. Yusra Matari woke up in her Bergen County home to learn that her 20-year-old cousin Musab al-Matari had been shot and killed on his olive grove in the West Bank. He was shot in the back and then uh, his body was dragged by the soldiers according to my cousins who were also there um, and paramedics were not allowed to get to him for over two hours until he bled out and passed away. Since the attack on Israel on October 7th, the Israeli government has been arming Israeli settlers in the West Bank, a region of land that Israel has occupied since the Six-Day War of 1967. The Israeli government has since established settlements on that land, only some of which are recognized by Israel and international law as a means to establish its control over the region. Palestinians say they've experienced dehumanizing rule in the region ever since. Palestinians get a arrested uh, with no trial or no charges and they could be put in prison for a year, two years, three years and let go. We're not given reasons. We don't have any system to seek out what is going on or to seek out any help. Uh, we are under the control and force and that we're at the mercy of whatever Israeli soldiers or the Israeli occupation wants to do to us. And they say these recent attacks on farmers in their olive groves are yet another means to hurt Palestinians economically. This is how they survive and without the olive trees and the olive oil that they create and all the products, um, they're not going to be able to survive. Not only are they not allowed to pick the olives, the settlers who are illegally there are coming in and taking them. They're actually picking out the olives. A lot of olive trees have been set on fire. And you're talking about olive trees that are two, three, four, five hundred years old, passed down to us generation from generation to generation. A group of about 30 human rights non-governmental organizations in Israel called on the international community to stop the wave of violence against Palestinians in the West Bank that they say are being supported by the the Israeli government arming the settlers. The group said in a recent op-ed, government ministers and other officials are backing the violence and in many cases the military is present or even participates in the violence, including in incidents where settlers have killed Palestinians. Palestinians here in New Jersey are calling for an end to the occupation of the West Bank and want to see elected officials support a ceasefire in Gaza. Palestinians need to be given human rights. And once we're on equal footing, then we can talk about a more permanent solution. The solution is simple, it's an end to, an end to the occupation of Palestine. We stand up for human rights, for justice, for truth. And um, what happened on October 7th, uh, the, the terrorist attack is absolutely tragic. And I feel for my Jewish brothers and sisters, and I reached out to them when it happened to make sure that their family members and they were okay. Um, but what has proceeded since is absolutely an affront to humanity and it is a stain on our moral conscience. And they say a scar on their hearts that won't heal anytime soon. I'm Joanna Gagas, NJ Spotlight News.
The Middlesex County man who last week prompted an FBI manhunt for his involvement with the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol appeared in court this week. 47-year-old Gregory Yetman is accused of spraying police officers with a chemical irritant during the 2021 assault. He's charged with a long list of offenses, including assault on a federal officer, which carries a maximum prison sentence of eight years. At federal court in Trenton on Monday, a judge ordered Yetman to be held without bail until trial. The FBI released photos during the hearing that allegedly show Yetman spraying that liquid and revealed that after his arrest, agents discovered weapons, firearms and ammunition in his home car and a storage unit, although are assumed to be purchased legally. The former New Jersey National Guard member surrendered to Monroe Township Police last week, two days after fleeing his home as authorities tried to serve him an arrest warrant. Well, for years, apprenticeships have helped train the next generation of plumbers, welders, and electricians, and now it could help solve New Jersey's problem attracting new teachers to the profession. Montclair State University is offering one of New Jersey's new earn-as-you-learn programs, giving paraprofessionals and teachers' aides a clearer path to becoming certified teachers, while never having to step away from the classroom. Ted Goldberg reports. A new partnership between Wayne Township Schools and Montclair State could help address the shortage of teachers in Wayne. We're not finding recent college grads and we have to resort to hiring teachers from other districts, which doesn't necessarily make you very popular when you meet with other superintendents and, and they have vacancies and you don't. Superintendent Mark Toback isn't running a popularity contest, but he says hiring teachers from other districts is how Wayne makes up for fewer young people going into teaching. There's concern about pay, there's concern, there's, there's obviously a lot of, um, over the past few years, there's been a lot of turmoil associated with public education. And so I think there's a lot of students that hear and see things that make them say, you know what, I'm just going to do something else for a living. We've been under attack, I think, uh, especially during the pandemic. People are looking at uh, displeasure of that period of time where children had learning loss, where we're now recouping that. So it's not an easy job to begin with. You need dedication, you need to want to be able to do it. Montclair State's new program will allow paraprofessionals in Wayne schools or teaching assistants to work towards their teaching certification while keeping their jobs. The program will take two or three years and is the first teacher apprentice certification program in New Jersey backed by the U.S. Department of Labor. The advantage is that they already understand what teaching is about. They're working in the program, they see it, they have a love of working with children. This is a natural next step. It's tapping into a population of students adult learners who might not have completed their bachelors, that who are working in school settings, who want a pathway into the, a career in teaching, but it's not available. Acting Associate Dean Sumi Hagawara says Montclair's history in teaching makes it a great school for this kind of program. There's uh, an incredible investment in what mentoring means, right? Mentoring isn't just you know, having someone assigned in the classroom. It's also us going to the classroom to support the student. Other Garden State schools have similar programs to address the shortage of teachers. At Ramapo College, the TA to teacher program helps teachers assistants complete a degree in teacher education in one year or stay two years and earn a master's in special education. That's the hook of the idea, right? That you can be something, you can change your life as a paraprofessional, you're not stuck in that job for 20 years. When someone like that comes across our desk who's dual certified with a master's in special education, 
those are huge, unique uh, components for us as, as ed educational leaders. Uh, we need those types of kids. Montclair is still in the process of finalizing details for its first class of new teachers. They gave out a survey to Wayne Township employees, gauging interest in signing up. That survey collected 90 names, and so that clearly the demand is there. Um, we have to go through those applications and interest to ensure that it's a, it's a good sort of um, complement to the goals and the, 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 the criteria and the expectations of the program. It would definitely fill a number of vacancies that we have for special education or positions that we'd love to have, but there's just nobody out there, right? While the first year of this program is focused on folks in Wayne Township, that could change in the future and expand to other school districts, as places like Montclair try to make it easier for people to become teachers while holding on to their day jobs. In Montclair, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News. In our Spotlight on Business report, environmentalists want to know why the state is investing in diesel if officials believe the future is electric. Clean energy advocates today rallied in Camden against New Jersey Transit's recent decision to buy 750 new diesel buses despite a years-long push to electrify the agency's fleet, along with well-known data showing the transportation sector is New Jersey's largest source of greenhouse gas emissions. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports. hours, a steady stream of diesel buses pulled into NJ Transit's main depot in Camden. Eight electric buses do operate in central Camden City, part of a pilot program introduced in late 2022. But that's the extent of NJ Transit's entire electric bus fleet. A group of green energy advocates today pushed the agency to amp up the pace. Camden should not be the only city in New Jersey that has access to electric buses. Advocates brandished a cardboard cut out of Governor Murphy, who signed a 2020 law requiring 10% of NJ Transit's new bus purchases be zero emissions by next year, 50% by 2026. We didn't expect an overnight transition to electric buses, but eight electric buses is not enough. One depot housing electric buses is not enough. Where are the buses in Union City? Where are the buses in Newark? Right? We are in a climate crisis. We're in a public health crisis. And every bus driver and every bus rider knows the smell of diesel pollution. So let us not forget about the health impacts of not moving towards an electric future. A mandate that the Murphy administration passed into law here early in 2020. NJ Transit's replacing its aging bus fleet, but it's buying diesel buses. Last week, the board approved spending $686 million to buy another 750 diesel buses, 200 more than it had put out for bid, with an option to buy up to 1,300 of them. These buses have a life expectancy of an additional 12 years. Um, so that's 12 more years at least of dirty fossil fuel buses on the it looks bad. You're supposed to be trying to go green, but you're looking at diesel, it looks bad. But NJ Transit maintains these new diesel buses meet the highest EPA emission standards, and anyway, it doesn't plan to buy any more. We anticipate this, this will be our last diesel bus procurement. We are currently diligently advancing our zero emission bus program with infrastructure already in place at Newton Avenue in Camden, and no less than four additional facilities, Hilton, Union City, Meadowlands, and the Northern Bus Garage 
are all in development right now. NJ Transit's argued that it's still buying diesels in order to protect its customers in case the power grid doesn't meet demand or that there are other problems beyond its control. We didn't manage to catch a glimpse of Camden's electric bus fleet today. The advocates, meanwhile, called for lawmakers to pass a dedicated funding source for NJ Transit, which faces a billion-dollar fiscal cliff in 2026. We need reliable capital funds to meet electrification goals and dedicated operating funds to ensure the survival of the agency which is facing service cuts and fare hikes if lawmakers don't act. But Governor Murphy's refused calls to use New Jersey's corporate business tax surcharge as an NJ Transit funding source instead of letting the surcharge sunset. In Camden, I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. Turning to Wall Street, stocks rallied today following a new inflation report showing consumer prices were unchanged from a month ago and core inflation is now at a two-year low. Here's how the markets closed. Support for the business report provided by the New Jersey Tourism Industry Association. NJTIA will host their New Jersey Conference on Tourism November 30th through December 1st at Resorts Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. NJTIA.org for event information. As environmental activists talked about in Brenda Flanagan's report, climate change is reshaping the country, and the far-reaching effects are laid clear in the latest national climate assessment released today by the federal government. It points to rising sea levels, heavier rains, and soaring temperatures, each bringing direct and indirect impacts to the lives of New Jersey residents and people across the U.S. According to experts, there's still time to stop the worst outcomes, but the window of opportunity is closing. New Jersey State climatologist David Robinson joins me now to discuss the new report. Dave, it's good to see you. Uh, wow, I mean, scientists really did not hold back in this report. What stuck out to you the most? Yeah, this report... I really feel that the earlier assessments, this is the fifth national assessment, we're trying to make the case that the climate's changing. This one says the climate's changing. We all understand that now. But the take-home point with this one is the decisions we make right now are going to be important for our future. Uh, and, and that has to do with mitigation and adaptation and resilience. So the climate card is right there and presented. Now, let's talk more about what we can do about it. Yeah, in fact, the U.S. has called out for making some improvement in slowing global warming, but it's not at the rate, according to this report, that's needed to make a, a real dent in this or even keep up with what the Biden administration has been proposing. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's a very difficult situation when you're you're looking as a scientist and someone who wants a healthy environment, you'd like to see things done very quickly and then reality strikes and the support isn't there, the financing isn't there. Uh, the science is basically there now um, and we've got to keep an eye on things because if we're not careful, the decisions we make right now could let things really run amok in the future. Um, and that 
isn't necessarily next year or 10 years from now. Uh, we've seen this with international assessments and national assessments that the decisions that we make now will be more impactful the second half of the century. The die is cast in some respects for the next decade or several decades in terms of climate change and extremes and so on. But the decisions we made now are really important for our children, our grandchildren, and so on. This is also, Dave, the first time that there's been an economic chapter in uh, one of these reports. Natural disasters, it says, cost $178 billion in damages. The president even mentioned New Jersey today um, as a place where you can bear witness to climate and, and the changes that it's made in terms of our extreme weather and disasters. Uh, what is the implication for New Jersey? Well, if we don't do something about this and mitigate things somewhat, we're, we're a coastal state. Uh, let's start right there. The culture, the heritage, uh, our very being as being from New Jersey is the coast, is the shore. So there's issues there with sea level rise, but we're also an urban state, the most urbanized state in some respects. And there we have to worry about environmental justice and equity in our cities, the urban heat islands, uh, impervious surfaces. And we need to think more about greening up our urban areas. So it goes from the coast to our urban areas and, and out into the rural communities and our farmland in the state that's so valuable to us. Is there a major takeaway that you see here for both the Murphy administration and, and every key player who's shaping uh, New Jersey's climate agenda? Uh, you know, I'm biased, of course, as a climatologist, but I think the take home is that the climate situation has to be taken into uh, uh, consideration in every decision that's made, whether it's based on our health our infrastructure, our cultural amenities, our transportation sector, our ecologic systems. We can't ignore the fact that climate, weather and climate play a major part. And with it changing, it has ramifications for the future of all of these different parts of our Jersey system, if you will. New Jersey State climatologist Dave Robinson. Dave, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. And that does it for us tonight. But don't forget to download the NJ Spotlight News podcast so you can listen anytime. I'm Brianna Venozzi. For the entire NJ Spotlight News team, thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. And by the PSCG Foundation.